You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. I'm Glenn Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for October 12th, episode 3032, brought to you today by Stateline Tack. Good morning, Horse World. Hey, you made it to Wednesday. Only three days left till a weekend full of horsey fun. Lucky for you, you have Jamie and Glenn to get you through on Horses, Horses in the Morning. In the morning. Yeah, we're talking about some important topics today. Uh, one that you, unfortunately, are very familiar with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's Kissing Spines. We're having an old friend of the show, Krista Lafayette, on. She's coming on to talk about some recent research about Kissing Spines and a gene that was found that may cause and it. And she actually has kind of chronicled this journey on her studies over the last, you know, multiple years on this show. So it's going to be interesting to kind of get her to tell the story of what the end result was of the studies. And we also have Henrietta coming on, and she's our European friend. She's coming on to talk about an article she did called Do Horses Miss Their Owners and Like Humans? Uh, we all like to think they do. but I'm we'll- sure mine do. <laughs> We're going to find out about that coming up. And we do we have any weird news? Is there weird uh, news? Well, we have a few. Yeah. Okay. All right. And in the post show, Jamie's going to talk about the horse that wouldn't load. It's, oh, dear God. It sounds like a name of a country song, the horse that wouldn't load. It does. Jared Rogerson, that's your next song, your next hit. <laughs> it would be a good song. It'd be a hit in the horse world, that's for sure. Hey, you know, in 2014 podcasting changed. And we've talked about this before, but there's been an update to this. I have always said, in all the talks I do, that serial, the serial podcast changed podcasting. It made it go mainstream. More people learned about podcasting from the serial podcast than any others. It's now had 340 million downloads, and it's about to get a hundred million more. Because, and, and that was the one they did on Adnan Syed. Okay. Who, t- tell me what the, uh, I, I've never listened to the serial podcast. You I'm didn't? The only, I'm the only person in the world. So you are the me. only person in the world. <laughs> so back then they did it about Adnan Syed, who was in prison for the murder of his girlfriend. And, uh, so they like break down the case. Oh, it was the best podcast I've ever heard as far as research and the way they put it together. And it was like 10 episodes. It was just the best one I'd ever heard. And it really started the Murdery podcast, right? This is the one that started it all. And and it brought main podcasting to mainstream. It helped us tremendously because it taught people how to listen to podcasts. So it was about this Adnan Syed. And they kind of let you decide for yourself at the end whether he was guilty or not. But everybody came away feeling he was not guilty of this and that they should look at it again. Well, it's taken what? Uh, it's taken seven years, but they looked at it again and they finally did the DNA tests on the, the girlfriend's clothes and all of that that they had still there. It's amazing that they still keep this stuff and have DNA samples from all those years ago, but they found none of it belonged to Adnan Syed. So they have released him from jail, and they have dropped all charges against him. 
All because of a podcast oh. decided randomly to like pick one. Why would the podcast choose this? Well, they case? did go in, in the first couple episodes. They went into that. They had heard about him or they, so there was a camp. I don't remember what that part was about. This is a long time ago, but it, they had a reason that they picked I'm him way first. Behind. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. They had a reason they picked him first. So he basically spent 23 years in jail and now they've determined he was innocent. Oh so, my gosh. Um, but yeah, he, you know, uh, he, it was a very well done podcast. So there's a reason it's gotten 340 million downloads. Uh, plus it was the first of its kind. We always say be different, you know, be first. And they were first in the murdery genres. Now there's a million podcasts looking into every murder I think that's ever been committed. Um, but. This is the one that really changed everything, and now he's free, and they dropped wow. the charges. Well, now, yeah. I did read that it's pending the family, um, you know, going back and, and uh, what they, what's they put in a thing. But I just can't imagine that with all of that, the family would be like, no, we want to have that looked at again. You know, I just if, – if, if all of a sudden the person who killed your family member is innocent – well. Then and you would actually, shift to finding who out who it actually was. That doesn't matter anymore either because they have officially dropped the charges and the case is closed. Oh, wow. Okay. As of so yesterday. They, they can't go back. I'm trying nope. to think of the word. No, nope, but- because of, you know, they cannot charge him again. Uh, because of the whole double jeopardy. Thing. Wow, but you podcasts working for good. Look <laughs> yeah. at that. So there's one that really did make a difference, and now he's up for over two million dollars. That you know, because most states now have this thing: if you're wrong, wrongfully accused, and you spend time in jail, you get so much per year. Uh, so he's looking at about two million dollars, but that doesn't account for 23 years in jail. That's oh for sure. my gosh. Yeah. Wow. It, and, you know, it'd be interesting now to go back, for those of us that did hear it, to listen to it again with different ears, right? Yeah. Yeah, knowing that well, maybe this is I'll the go- case. The reason I don't listen to murdery podcasts is because I'm already afraid of being murdered all the time. <laughs> right. And so if you add <laughs> that to my enough. plate, like I'll, if I listen to podcasts in the barn, and if somebody would walk in the barn while I'm listening to a murder podcast, I might throw the pitchfork at them. <laughs> Yeah, maybe you shouldn't. (laughs) All right, let's get through Daily Winnie's quick. I have other announcements to make and uh, some news, too. Brought it up. You started it. You know, we have no auditors with birthdays today, and somebody popped up on my birthday list on Facebook, and I went, am I friends with him? And apparently I am. Uh, Larry Colmas, the the infamous announcer. He used to come on our shows before he got big time, and now he yeah. won't come on anymore. <laughs> now he won't talk to us anymore. I don't know if he's doing the Breeders' Cup or not, but then that got me thinking, when's the Breeders' Cup? That's November 4th and 5th, and it's at Keeneland this year. It is, yeah. yeah. Wouldn't it be fun? Do you think they'd give us press passes for that? No. No, no, I don't think so. Either. I don't think so. You know, the only time I ever get anything in the horse racing world, it's because they think I'm with HRRN, which is Horse Racing Radio yes, Network. So maybe we get squeaked by with the throwing out. We can just write there. the initials wrong on the yeah, application. I don't know what. We're horse <laughs> maybe we're network. with Equine Network now. We could actually get it done. I don't know. I know. Hmm. Be fancy. <laughs> That'd be fun to go to. I, you know, I'd almost rather go to a Breeders' Cup than to Kentucky Derby. I have been to two Breeders' Cups. I went and uh, when I lived in. Arizona, I went to Santa Anita, and then I went to Louisville um, when they had a Churchill Downs once. And oh my God, it is just 
so fun because the whole, every race is such a big championship that it's not just about the one at the end of the day, you know, the Derby, like all the races leading up to it are big, but at the Breeders' Cup, you have two days of just pageantry and awesomeness and huge purses and the best horses in the world. It's really fun. Well, that's why I thought too. It's you know, it's not just the the one event, right? Mm-hmm. All the braces are big, <laughs> so yeah. so that's cool. Maybe someday. All right, your turn for a daily winning. Well, you said to to make it quick, uh, so I'm going to give a daily winnie to my new horse. And I'll tell you why, because I, first of all, he needs a barn name, y'all. I need to name him. I can't, I can't, I just can't come up with anything. I, and I haven't been able to mess with him all that much because I, I did something really stupid when he got here. I, I, he had these big, like, leather pads on his shoes and it was a mess. And I, I was like, just pull all that garbage. And I pulled all his shoes and he was like, super lame. So then I had to put his shoes and go, fair, can you please come back? So I had to put the front shoes back on him. And so he's out in the pasture and he's being hoarse and he's coming down from all the stress. And there is one particular, thing that is really annoying him and his name is hashtag damn it Zeus. <laughs> Zeus will not quit chasing him like so much so that twice I have had to ground Zeus and put him once in the round pen and now he's in his own paddock because he just will not stop harassing the new guy who again <laughs> needs a barn name. His jockey club name was Uncle Gare. And I was like, maybe I'll call him Gary. And that just seems weird. I don't know why. Um and then there's a uh, USA. Yeah, Gary is not a horse's name. I mean, I have a brother, Gary, so maybe I know, that's why I'm I partial. But-, <laughs> but see, like every one of my animals has just like a name, you know, like Ace and Miles, and they also have like short names. It's like and- there's no horse's name, Glenn. Maybe a draft horse. Yeah, maybe a maybe a big old Percheron. <laughs> yeah, exactly. but other than that, it, so anyway, he needs a name, and I just feel so sorry sorry for him. His 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 uh, eventing name is Pogue Mahone, which is just doesn't roll off the tongue either. So I just need a bar name for him. So any suggestions are welcome. I will I, if I see one I like, I'll just go with it because I am so over it. My son is coming up with all these names, and I'm just like, that's that's we're not naming him Percy Jackson. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, Percy's a good name, though. <laughs> and he just Jackson. yelled down. He was like, it is! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if you have a name suggestion, jamie at horseradionetwork.com. And Zeus! Damn it, Zeus! <laughs> I want to remind everybody that Horse Week is going on right now on horseweek.tv. The videos playing tonight are the Mustang Discovery Ride, Veterans and Horses, Western Dressage Training, Web of Success, and AQHA Rising Stars, and a couple of more. So check that out at horseweek.tv. Also, tickets for Land Rover 2023 go on sale yesterday. So if you need, if you want to get, if you're one of those people that gets early tickets, head on over to Kentucky3DayEvent.com and get your tickets now. Are you going next year? Yes, I, we are planning on going next year. As a matter of fact, we were just looking at because uh, w- we can bring the trailer now and stay and do it that way. And so we we contacted Reese to get one of her trailers, one of her camping spots. So okay. hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll be staying with Reese and uh, we'll go next year. Also, one other thing: the FEI has announced the opening of the voting for the 2022 FEI Awards. That's the annual awards they do. And U- U.S. Equestrian announced that there's two members of the American Equestrian community who have been named as finalists. 
panelists. The first is Sue Schlegel. She is out of New York, and she is up for FEI Best Groom category. She's BZ Madden's groom. And uh, hopefully, if you, you can go vote on this right now, actually, at fei.org slash awards. You can end up voting on it. And also, paraquestrian Maya, and I don't know how to say her last name, Radir Diwallo? Rodier Diwallo. Rodier. Okay, Rodier Diwallo. I, I have so never much. met her. She's out of California, and she's a para rider, but she's up for the FEI Against All Odds category, and let me tell you why. She's a first-generation American. Uh, she's daughter of a Persian refugee and an assault survivor. She survived a brutal domestic abuse attack in 2013, which resulted in severe brain injury and post-traumatic stress disorder. A year later, she was left permanently disabled following a car accident, and she needed to relearn how how to speak, read, and write. And despite that, she went to the USEF Paradressage National Championships and oh, did very well this wow. year. So she needs a vote. She needs to be the FEI Against All Odds Award winner because why not? Uh, she definitely should win that this year. I mean, that just sounds like she has an amazing family, too, who's lifts a, her up, you know. A whole support system. Yeah. I mean, to be able to travel to nationals and do all of that, that's a lot of work and a lot of coordination and a lot, just a lot to happen. So uh, congratulations to both of them. And uh, the FEI awards voting closes on October 16th, so that's coming up. Get over to FEI.org slash awards and vote today. Our sponsor for today is Stateline Tech. Let's see what they got going on over there. You know, I didn't even look at this this morning, so... Uh, you know, one thing about Stateline Tech is they let you know in big, bold banners what's going on. And right now, it's the bargain for save. Oh, it's their savings bin uh, sale. Oh, and no. that, let me see how many pages. <laughs> <laughs> you can't go. So you stay right there. Don't look. Uh, Ten pages of savings bin sales right there. Uh, anything from they have coats. They have a lot of boots. And they actually have the Tough Rider Lexington waterproof tall boots that everybody likes. They're over there. Uh, and a lot of these things, when you go to the bin, it's like one, one in stock and one size, and you just have to get lucky. So you just have to look through it. It's kind of like going through the sales bin at, uh, at any store. You just have to kind of rummage through it and find one you like. Uh, and then, uh, and then just hit the buy button. So I'm seeing halters on here, coats. Uh, I did that survey that you sent out and it made me realize how much I purchased. Mm, that survey is eye opening. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I think it made you self-reflect, didn't it? Yeah. And they it was like, jewelry. are you going to change any of your habits in the next year? And I clicked, nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what's on here that we use all the time. And we just said, I need to buy these because we said we need more is the Equipings. Those are the little kind of rubber things that you, you uh, the breakaway rubber circles that connect together and you put them, you tie a lead rope to them so you can use any kind of lead rope or if your horse doesn't have a breakaway halter, uh, you just tie it to this and then if they pull back, uh, this will let go. We use them in the trailer. We use these things everywhere. They're called Equipings. So I love those. I need to buy those. 13 bucks. They might for, not have the color you want. So They come in a variety pack and I think it's like six in a pack. Uh, we really do love those things. They, they See, really do work. doing these commercials is making you spend money, <laughs> I too. I know. Uh, Statelinetech.com. Check it out today. All right. We're heading to Henrietta, who's with horseyhooves.com, and I think she's here. Uh, we'll see. Hi. Uh, Hi yes, Henrietta. I'm here. Hi. Hi. Good to talk to you. Yeah, you too. 
thank you so much for joining us today. So which country are you in today? So right now I'm home in uh, Wales, West Wales, in a coast, near a coastal town. If When we come to England again, can we visit you? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that would be so fun. Because it just sounds pretty. It oh, sounds it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, we've got everything here. We've got the sea, mountains, everything. Now, you have an accent. You're not originally from Wales, right? Oh, no, no. I'm, um, I grew right. up in Transylvania, and uh, yeah, I've, I've studied American English, and uh, then I met my partner here in Britain, who's British, so I have a mix of things going on, really. Oh, you're yeah, a hot mess. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. we, we, we were through Wales once, and I didn't understand anything anybody says, so can you translate <laughs> when we come through next time? Oh, I wish I could, but I only picked up a few words. It's really quite hard to learn Welsh. Yeah, yeah. And even when they speak English, it's hard to learn. It's hard to understand. I know one yeah, thing. Yeah. I know one thing in in Welsh, and that is um, yakida. Yakida. And that's, that's cheers. Yes, oh. yes, that's, indeed. When you drink beer, you, you clink and you go yakida. <laughs> yeah, it's a funny word. The one, she knows words from every country and they all involve alcohol. That's uh, one thing I've noticed. Oh, over I these have years. a Welsh friend and we might have <laughs> yucky dodd quite a bit. <laughs> so, Henny, tell us this. Do horses like humans and do they miss us when we're not around? Oh, my gosh. Please tell me. Yes. yes, well, not in the traditional sense, but they do. They um, they do like humans and they value the emotional connection they have with humans, just not the same way that we do or like dogs, for example. And um, yeah, they, they do miss us, especially if we have a lot of like positive interactions with them. And um, uh, if we take care of them on a daily basis, they will definitely miss that routine when we go on holiday. That's called okay. food, Glenn. Yeah, they're see, missing that's us because we feed them. Yeah, that's what the, that's what the, the yeah. consensus is, right? We all believe that only because we feed them do they like us, and they would trade off on the next person that comes along. Did you find that that's true or not true, or do they really truly have a, a connection there? Yeah, well, um, I do also wonder that when my when I come home from holiday, uh, my horse uh, appreciates the food that I bring him, or uh, sort of, yeah, uh, has missed seeing me, but. Um, yeah, horses, um, they can definitely um, uh, form attachments with humans, just like they form attachments with other horses. And uh, several studies have found that they, uh, for example, recognize human facial expressions and they know when we, are, um, um, when we are happy or we are angry towards them. And yeah, it's just, it's just amazing how intelligent they are and how yeah, they can transfer things from their own world to interacting with humans. So I did an experiment knowing, knowing that you were coming on to talk about this. In the last week when I'd go out to the barn, my pony is kept out in the paddock. Well, it's behind other paddocks, so, uh, so Scooter can't really see me coming. So what I did the last couple times is I called out to him before he saw me, and every time he whinnied and ran to the gate. So I'm taking that as true love right there. That's- <laughs> Who doesn't yeah. want to hear a boy talking about true love with his pony? <laughs> but I do think that they do recognize our voices, and they, I think they do attach you know, those voices and those feelings to certain people. I don't know. You've worked with a ton of horses, Jamie. What, what do you think? Do horses like... Okay, I'll give you a perfect example of a horse situation that happened just this week. And uh, so Barrett, farm boy, my assistant, is six foot four and he wears a cowboy hat. And he's been the one to do most of the work with this little gypsy that we have in training. And when I go out to the paddock, I put the halter on the gypsy and I bring him in. 
Barrett walked out to the paddock two days ago, and the horse took one look at the giant tall guy with cowboy hat and jumped the paddock and ran away. <laughs> so I think there's definitely – do they – I don't know if it's that they like you. I wonder if it's more of the expectation of your interaction that they're going to have. You know, with him, like, he's not mean to, to, to bear when he's working on it. I mean, he's just, he just anticipates the impending well, it's, it's just exercise. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So if, if we want to make a horse like us better, Henrietta, what are some good ways to do that? Um, so there's some, some definite tips that you can follow. For example, um, uh, be consistent and predictable in your behavior because, um, that's what the horse, um, horses will trust, uh, in you. Like sort of if you, if your behavior, they can predict that what your reactions will be, then they are more likely to trust and respect you. And then also stay positive because, um, uh, horses are drawn to positivity. So like if you sort of radiate positive behaviors, they are more likely to, um, well, like you and then bond with you in the long run. And also, um, spend quality time together. So like, don't just do, um, work like groundwork or ridden work, just like hang out in the field or do some fun stuff together. For example, tricks or something that a horse enjoys. And also, um, do like grooming sessions because that is, well, that's known to be really great for, for bonding with your horse. And, um, hey, also, well, you yeah. You know what? On this one. <laughs> On this one, we take our horses out on walks, and we've always done this. So we just hand walk them, and, and now we're we're near the woods and trails and all that stuff. And I, you know, they just love when we go on a walk. First of all, for them, it's just a walk. You know, they're not working; they're just goofing off and you know going out on an adventure. So uh, I do believe that. I do. Be do you know what's believe- even better than taking them on a walk? Is you not walking and sitting on their back, and they walk. <laughs> That's my favorite walk on a horse. Walking is work, Glenn. And in the sand, in the deep sand, it's extra uh, work. Yeah. I'm going to get on you. Let's make this a, an intelligent partnership. No, I'm just kidding. But that that's good. And then I, I've, you have on here rewarding positive behavior. And that can be anything, really, is just giving them food scratches praise or a break and that is what kind of rang true to me with one of the best rewards when you're riding your horse what do they want more than anything when they're working rest Uh, yeah to stop working rest yeah rest is the best reward even if it's only a minute or two i have a friend who was like my horse is starting to pin her ears when i trot you know and i was like all right let me watch you ride and she brings the horse over and she's riding and i was like why are you trotting for 20 minutes in a circle like there's no of course she's gonna start to get grumpy because you're not actually giving her any rest you know trot for two minutes then stand still for 10 seconds and she'll like reset and then goes back to it now she's like oh my god i can trot for like 15 minutes without her getting mad because i give her a reward of rest every once in a while and that that one is very important i think yeah absolutely i would agree um well, great. Well, Henrietta, it's been awesome having you on as usual. I do love this article about staying positive, And one of the best things to do is you say be consistent and predictable. I think mm-hmm. that is the nicest thing. Be boring to your horse, you know, like just be predictable every day. I think that's a really important thing. You know, they don't understand human moods. They're just horses. So just be consistent, be predictable. And that is a really good way to do it. Henrietta, thank you for coming on and enjoy your time in Wales. What's the weather like? 
Oh, it's really grim at the moment. It's just it's just raining, but we have the few few nice days. So um, that was a nice break from the constant rain that is usual, like typical at this time of year. I'm gonna start using that. What's the weather like? It's really grim. Really grim. I love that. Yeah. Now, it's so funny here. You talk about rain every day because Jamie hasn't had any in, in months. So yeah. Oh wow. Drought, so wow. you know. I'll show so you could send some of that whale's water over. That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but at least we have you, nice, yeah, green grass all the time. Thanks. It was nice to yeah. you. Nice to talk to you. <laughs> all right. Talk to you soon. Horseyhoos.com. Bye. Bye. Have you gotten any rain yet? Or are you still in the drought? We had rain day before yesterday, and everybody's celebrating. And I watched the news last night, and they were like, oh, Oklahoma, here's rain toll. We got one tenth of an inch. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Chad was like, minutes. he wasn't here. He's like, did it rain a lot? And I was like, imagine if you had a dry, like a really dry mouth and you spit. I'm like, that's what it was like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's fun. I hope yeah. you I hope you do get that. I hope oh, you have lots of snowstorms. You summer. know what's going to happen? No, don't say that. Um, what's <laughs> going to happen is I have this clinic scheduled for the end of October. Oh, it's going to rain first week, And it's going to rain every day. <laughs> don't say that. Knock on something. Well, yeah, every night. It can rain every night. Exactly. That'd be perfect. That's fine. And now it is time for our horse health report that is brought to you by Daily Dose Equine, a non-GMO core nutrition for your horses and ponies of all ages. Well, I'm I'm proud to bring on Crystal Lafayette, the CEO of Edelon Diagnostics. She has been doing some kissing spine research, and we've kind of kind of followed along with the journey a little bit here on Horses in the Morning. Krista, thank you for joining us. Well, I really appreciate it, and I appreciate you guys um, participating in this. I think it's it's really nice of you to give me credit for this whole study, but I have to tell you, there's quite a few folks involved. <laughs> well, I do remember back uh, several years ago, you were asking for actual x-rays, radiographs from horses that had it. And a while later, I ended up getting a horse with kissing spine and I was going to send you those. And you were like, we're good. We have enough horses with it. We need horses that don't have it. <laughs> So that would have to do with the different breeds. So mm-hmm. oddly enough, um, one of the things that we're finding in this study is that we have an incredibly difficult time finding aged thoroughbreds that are negative for kissing spines. And we're not sure why. Well, my next question was why? Uh, I need answers. <laughs> well, we don't know. I mean, is it because um, there aren't any thoroughbreds out there that are negative for kissing spines? Or is it because People don't x-ray the backs of aged thoroughbreds. We don't know. Yeah. So, so you t- tell if go through all of it, break it down for us and kind of tell, and I'll, I'll, I'll have follow up questions. Okay. So you want me to talk about like what the paper means and where the research is? Yeah. Is what, clarify, what, or? what did you guys find? I know there, the, the article on horse.com came out and I have read through that, but I want you to explain to the listeners what you decided to do and why you did it and what you found out. Okay. All right. Well, so kissing spines, as you know, is a condition where the the vertebral, the top parts of the spinal column on the horse begin to bend together and rub, causing discomfort and degradation, right? Nobody likes kissing spines. And unfortunately, you only find out about kissing spines when you try to saddle up or when you x-ray the back. Um, and there's extreme pain, um, and oftentimes it is 
undiagnosed for a long time. It's very expensive to find out about. And then there are surgical solutions, which may or may not work, um, depending on the veterinarian, the horse, the condition, so on and so forth. And no one is really sure what exactly causes kissing spines. Some think it's some sort of osteodegradation. Some people think it's connective tissue. But we're not entirely sure what the mechanism is behind it. We do suspect strongly that there are lots of things that contribute to kissing spines, and only one of those things would be genetic. So we took it upon ourselves to gather a bunch of samples of horses with confirmed cases of kissing spines, and we confirmed them through radiographs. We collected samples, veterinary reports, and these radiographs, and then had a couple of different vets. Dr. Bo Whitaker led the effort there to read the radiographs uh, independently to make sure they were all scored uh, the same. And then we took a look at these horses' genetics. And what we found were horses that had <clears throat> kissing spines at a specific degree or, or greater happened to have this variant type. And the, the variant that um, we found that correlates with the condition of kissing spines. If you have one copy, you will have a higher grade of kissing spines. If you have two copies, you'll have a two-grade, on average, higher um, affected type of kissing spines. And so what this means, this initial study, is that, A, this is only an initial study for a correlation for higher-grade kissing spines, and B, we still have part two of the study to do to see if we can find an actual genetic causative. It's really, really important to understand that this variant that we have published is not a causative as far as we know. In, in other words, it doesn't, that, that variant does not cause you to have kissing spines. It indicates there's a correlation between a higher grade of kissing spines and this variant. Does that make sense to you? Yes. So basically, they they can have it, but it might not happen. Is that right? Right. And you have to think about, yeah, the, the real big difference here, what's, what's dangerous sometimes in the genetic world is people see a gene and a, and a disease or a gene and a trait, and they immediately assume the gene causes or results in the trait. That's not necessarily true. You'll see correlations with what we call risk alleles, and that's where an animal or a person has a specific variant and it is often highly correlated with another condition, but we don't know what that relationship is. So think about, um, think about diabetes. You know that diabetes can come from a lot of different things. You know that certain people are at a higher risk for diabetes than others. You know that if your parents contracted diabetes at a later age. It's probably not wise of you to sit on the couch and binge on Netflix and eat potato chips for the entire two years of the COVID problem because you're going to weigh 400 pounds and you're going to have diabetes. Right. You're predisposed. Whereas your best friend might be sitting on the couch next to you. Their parents don't have diabetes. They also are eating potato chips and binging on Netflix with you. They weigh 400 pounds and they don't have it. That doesn't seem fair. Um, so it's almost like if you were to think about, you know, where, where, where people test for EPM, you know, have they been exposed? They test the blood and yes, they have been exposed, but if you test the spinal fluid, they don't actually have it. So they just have the, the predisposition to maybe have it, but they don't actually have it. So that's what your study kind of showed. And the question would be, what can we do about it? 
do they stop stop breeding no, the horses that have you know the genetic markers or what? Well, I think you'd want to think about it in a way um, that mitigates risk, right? Let's say you get a horse and you test it, and it is at high risk for kissing spines. Well, maybe you don't run around with your head up in the air, you know, um, with with um, in a saddle seat type conformation with that horse. Maybe instead you spend some more time with dressage exercises, build up those back muscles, take special care, make sure that saddle fits properly, and maybe you want to x-ray the back a little more frequently, you know, every five years or something. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know a horse is at high risk for kissing spines, you not only want to develop those back muscles and watch that condition so you don't get ouchy one day when you put a saddle on, you might also think, all right, I really, I'm really dying to have a foal out of this mare or this stallion. They're at high risk for kissing spines. Let's test the other horse that I'm going to breed them to and make sure they're not also high risk, doubling up the risk in the foal. Okay. So w- uh, my frustration has been a lot with, with thoroughbreds and having the kissing spine and there, there's mm-hmm. typical kind, not, not typical, but there's behavioral patterns I've noticed with horses that I'm like, Oh, this probably is a thing. And, um, and, and, and two, <laughs> two of them, the, the vets were like, this is, this is not, you can't do anything for this horse. You know, like one of them t- t- in two places, the spine had actually grown together. And so is something mm-hmm. like this, do you think because they are predisposed and then they're started at a year old and they throw riders on them at such a young age, is that causing more of it in thoroughbreds? Well, we can only guess at this point because although we had some wonderful, wonderful help, from the thoroughbred rescue organizations and a lot of you awesome thoroughbred people, we don't have a large enough population from the track to know. And that's what we're working on, right? So there's probably, there are probably multiple things contributing to kissing spines, any one of which could be exacerbated by early racehorse training, but we don't know that. And it's kind of, kind of unsafe to to guess without having the evidence, right? It's, it's tempting. So we could say, all right, well, we know kissing spines comes in various forms at different ages, so we can probably guess that there's probably some part genetic, some part nutritional, and some part training, right? Mm-hmm. And how much each of these things influences the development of kissing spines, we can't really know without growing the evidence quite a bit bigger than we have, which is what we're working on at this point. Fortunately, horse people are awesome about this kind of thing. Sort of what you were saying, you notice things in your horses and you say, oh gosh, this horse does this and this horse does that. It's probably a thing. It's probably hereditary. It's probably what you're thinking. And you're probably right. And that is why we work with the horse people because like working together, you guys tell us what you see and provide the samples and the phenotype and the evidence. And we do the science together We'll find this stuff. We'll find the answers. It'll take a little bit longer in some cases, but why not do it if we can? Right. So that's what we're doing. So I had a horse. I got a thoroughbred when I was 10 and I had him until he was, until I was 28 and he was 26. And I rode that horse every day, uh, most of his entire life. And 
if you're saying that so many older thoroughbreds have this, you know, I, I always thought he was, I, I think back on the things I did to this poor creature, that, like, you know, as a horse person now, like, uh, I'm going to gallop you bareback and I'm going to jump the hedge, you know, like things like that. Uh, yep. But he was always so yep. willing and good. And knowing how many older thoroughbreds now have it was, he, why, why can we ride them then? Are they just tolerant to pain? Do they, some of them not, I don't know. I just, I mean, this one was a particular saint, but uh, why, why can we ride them without them killing us? If their backs are. Well, so there's another piece to hissing spines, right? That's, that's really, really frustrating to try and tease apart. Our pop, our sample population is based largely on radiographs and animals that had had surgery. But we also know from the control animals that we pulled, there are animals out there who radiographically have kissing spines and show no symptoms. Why? We don't know. We don't know if they're just stoic or if they don't experience the pain. And this happens with all kinds of conditions. I'm sure you've heard of cases out there, people walking around with broken ankles and whatnot, and they, they didn't even know it. It was sore, but they're fine. But it turns out, hey, it was fractured. Oh, uh, yeah, people I have had a broken foot for three months. It's fine. Of horses, <laughs> right? <laughs> and you're annoyed by it, but you don't think much of it. And then if you actually go and get an x-ray, you go, oh, huh. <laughs> Who knew? Wow. But we don't know if it's a pain tolerance thing or if it's just undiscovered or if we don't know. I think I was just being an idiot. But yeah, I, I get it. Um, <laughs> get out of my house, Krista. Um, so where where do we go from here then before we run out of time? what Where, where do we go and then how can people continue to help you? We are continuing to try to, un to unravel this mystery because of the situation with the lack of really clean thoroughbred uh, samples and a large enough pool. Rather than put data out there about thoroughbreds that could be eh, a little wishy-washy based on the numbers, we went ahead and did the first publication on stock horses and warm bloods because we had those in spades, lots and lots and lots of the samples. Thanks in large part to Brazos Valley Equine, you know, Dr. Uh, Bo Whitaker, and then of course in Virginia, Kent Allen and all of our, our veterinary friends and all of our thoroughbred rescues. We did have a good sample set to begin with. We had an overwhelming great sample set for warm bloods and stock horses, but we still are looking at those thoroughbreds. And so we're going to probably release an announcement in the next six months of Kissing Spines Part 3. And that's where we're going to look at, A, more samples of thoroughbreds if we can get them. And B, we're going to start to tease out the differences between horses who radiographically have kissing spines and do and do not need medical intervention, because that's probably going to make a pretty big difference. As we go forward, we will probably find more genes that influence this condition. It's likely not one thing. It's going to be probably quite a few more than that. And it will take time. Gotcha. All right. Well, thank you so much for, and, and please let us know, keep us posted. I find this fascinating and it's affected so many of us that uh, please keep us up to date and let us know how we can help you in the future. We will definitely do that. We so appreciate you guys. You're a fantastic resource for this kind of research and we'll include you on the updates. We're, I think we're going to add the kissing spines risk into the build a horse pipeline to help people uh, avoid breeding horses with those um, genetic risks. And we'll update you guys on that as we go forward. But yes, anytime y'all have questions, don't hesitate. 
Now, that's what I was thinking. Like, do we annotate papers that are thoroughbreds that are being bred? And like, you look at, oh, I don't want to, I don't want one of his offspring because it's potential, you know, how far down the road can we get this? We shall see. We will see. We'll do everything we can. And we are stubborn because we're horse people. We'll get <laughs> Thank you, Krista. Thanks, Krista. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Take care and have a great day. You too. So, you know, when you think about it, how many horses have we talked about that you've had come in for training that have had it? And it's, it's, and you know what she said is, well, we can't find the ones that don't have it. But if you, te- you don't tend to do back sex rays on an old thoroughbred you have that doesn't have any problems. I will tell you that there are two that I have been like, hey, there is something going on with this horse, and two did not have it. So it it is possible, you know, did they have other things? Yeah, but it was not the the spine. Cause my first thing now is like, I'll call the rescue and I'll be like, hi, yeah. Um, Nelda, we're going to need some back x-rays on this one and I'll take it in and I'll get it x-rayed and then take it back, you know? So, so one, like one recently came to me and I was like, there is just something going on with this horse. And I took it in and, and it just depends. Like, the horse that I rode, Peter, that I had him for so long and I rode him a million miles. And the only suspicion that I had was he, he couldn't canter and he tripped and almost fell with me. And that's when I was like, we are figuring something out. But then this other horse, I was like, yeah, you get on and his head would go up like, and I was like, well, that's not, that's not okay. That's not okay. And we x-rayed him and he had, very mild kissing spine where Peter's was so severe and he didn't show me any behavioral stuff. He just couldn't perform uh, in, in one way where this horse barely had it. And he was like, I'm dying. You can't get on me. You know, so we actually injected his back and he'll come back to me for training here shortly as soon as that is all done. And so just, to, it's like, I, I just, it's so frustrating. Some are like, ow, that hurts. And the other ones are like, I can take it. <laughs> you know, like yeah, it's yeah. weird. And, you know, I think it has, I think it does partly have something to do with the racing. And I'm going to tell you why. And maybe that's controversial. I don't know. But, uh, with our first Greyhound, I took, her to the vet for something. I don't remember what. And because I took her to the vet, they talked me into a whole body x-ray, which Jennifer was really pissed about when I got home. Uh-huh. And I was have never been allowed to go back to the vet since. Um, so the, her spine was fused in three places. And she was a racing greyhound. You know, so I don't know. You she know, a really heavy rider on? Like a heavy job? <laughs> She just, you know, she had the same thing. You know, maybe she took spills. They all take spills. And, and it happened then. But she didn't so it wasn't back then. She didn't show any evidence of that when she was running or playing or doing any of that, right? So apparently it didn't bother her. But, you know, it, it's there in people, too. So, uh, interesting. And it is a problem. Back problems. Every human has back problems at one point or another. I'm sitting in their here lifetime. like talking to her about it. I'm like, Ugh, <laughs> yeah, like exactly. crunching around. <laughs> My brother just had uh, injections in his back. You know, sort of mm-hmm. the same kind of thing. So everybody go. has it. Nobody's riding him though. No, that's true. That's I mean, true. I don't want to know his business. Never mind. Carry on. Move on. Daily hey, Dose for- Equine yes. offers a full line of handcrafted horse feeds to maximize the health and performance of horses and ponies of all ages. Each custom feed has been developed with whole grains and non-GMO ingredients to eliminate the risk of herbicide contamination. They are horse people themselves and have seen firsthand the difference that superior nutrition can have in our equine partners. As Krista said, we're all stubborn because we're horse people. We invite you to learn more about 
Daily Dose Equine's origins and find a formula that's perfect for your equine partner at DailyDoseEquine.com. So a while back, I had a friend named Scott Knudsen who, who has his own podcast filled in for you on this show. And we did the show together and it was so well received. He's very funny. He's a cowboy that's funny and, and articulate and just a lot of fun. And we've been talking ever since then about doing a show together and we just got, we just got approval to do this. So tomorrow night we're having an auditor exclusive. We're going to do a Facebook live in the auditor room at, at Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And we want your help. So we're designing this show. We're calling it Equestrian East Meets West. So that's what the theme of the show is going to be. Basically, he's he's a Western cowboy, and I'm on this English side, and we're just going to talk about the two worlds, and it's meant to be a comedy show. It is meant to be a funny show. So uh, we just are going to have different people on that maybe do or, or dabble in both worlds. We're going to talk about terminology, equipment, all of those kinds of things that are different in both worlds, and it's our mission to bring the horse world together, and we think that this show can do it in an entertaining way. So we want you to join us because we want to ask your advice on on topics, on things you want to hear in the sh- a show like this. What should we do? What shouldn't we do? And, and our auditors have always been so helpful with that in the past. So you guys get to help design the show. And that's tomorrow night, Facebook Live, 8 p.m. Eastern Time in the Auditor Room. Join us then. Time to learn why some days you're embarrassed to be part of the human race. In Jamie's Weird News. Yes, weird news stories keep coming in. Although you guys have been slackers this week, and uh, I would like to thank these individuals for sending me stories, Laureen, Michelle, and Laura. The rest of you, what were you doing? Were you not reading the news? Were you <laughs> I reading didn't send any either normal news? So how this works is I'm going to tell you some stories that are actually real, and I'll, they're sent to me by y'all, and... um if you come across a news story that you're reading and you're like, dude, that's weird, email it to me, jamie at horseradionetwork.com, J-A-M-I-E, uh, at horseradionetwork.com with weird news in the, in the subject line and uh, send me the link and it'll be awesome. So we're going to start with this one, Glenn. What are some of your favorite things about summer? Uh, ice cream. Okay. Um, I really like ice cream. Um, obviously warm weather. You're in, you're on the right uh, track with ice cream. Uh, uh okay. you know, m- most people, you know, you go to the fair, you get a hot dog, you get ice cream, you get a popsicle, you know, whatever you're going to do. Well, the people at Oscar Meyer have heard what you wanted, Glenn, and they have come through. It's called the cold dog. That's right. Oscar Meyer is selling its first ever cold dog, a frozen pop that tastes like hot dogs. They say it's both refreshingly smoky with umami notes. Okay. And I don't want my ice cream tasting like other food. It's also topped with a mustard swirl. So you can have that. It's currently being sold. They said after overwhelming fan excitement, it was a no-brainer to make this hot dog-inspired frozen pop a reality. It's now on sale for $2 at select pop bar locations in Long Island, New York City, New Orleans, and Alpharetta, Georgia, while supplies last. I want my ice cream tasting like chocolate and vanilla. That's what I want. Like a hot dog popsicle. (laughs) On that note. 
You know, people are always trying to smuggle things across the border. And there's a man in Albany, New York, who was uh, trying to smuggle some snakes, some Burmese pythons at the U.S. Canadian border. He was on a bus, and that, that's the wrong border. That usually happens on the Mexican uh, exactly, border. <laughs> exactly. So why he was taking these to Canada? Um, well, here's here's the problem. There was three Burmese pythons. Those are one of the world's largest snakes. They're considered vulnerable in Asia and invasive in Florida. Uh, it's threatening native animals. Well, this guy was like, "We're going to take some to Canada." How was he taking them to Canada, Glenn? I don't know. In his pants. That's right. Is that a snake in your pocket? Or are you happy to see me? This guy had three Burmese pythons oh my in his drawls, y'all. Okay. Um. Yeah. So uh, how did they of, catch him? There's a lot of like, jokes here, but I can't go there. It's so. just, there's so many jokes. I just I just had to drop that information for you. There you go. His name is Calvin Bautista, by the way. It's on Huffington Calvin, Post. Calvin, Calvin. You don't value those parts <sighs> much, do you? Calvin. This is a really cool story, actually. And uh, this, a, a cat in Long Island went missing after t- two weeks of living in a new house, okay? And Stephanie Whitley, a Long Island woman, owns eight-year-old cat named Lily. And they moved to Mastic Beach and the horse, the, the horse, the cat disappeared. And it's kind of an indoor-outdoor cat. They let her outdoors and she comes back in. And for two weeks, she was gone. And they were like, oh, they were like devastated. It's like their family pet, you know? And... um all of a sudden, there's video of this. Y'all, I can't make this up. There's a video of the cat with her paw tapping their ring doorbell. Let me in. <laughs> Let me in. She said her and her family were startled when their ring doorbell yeah, no was kidding. activated in the middle of the night. They logged onto their phone and they see their cat tapping the doorbell. And like looking into the camera, it's the most bizarre thing. She said, we all gasped, we were laughing, we were emotional, we we're crying. It was a great moment. And now she's getting all crazy. She's like, mm, she knows what the doorbell means. Every time a notification goes off on my phone, she'll look towards the door. She knows what she's doing. Obviously she does because she's tapping the ring doorbell to get in. And now it happens all the time. Can you imagine how annoying that would be if your cat was like at 3 a.m. like, hello? <laughs> yeah, hello. Can I come in? She might, they must have a table or something. Otherwise, the cat's doing a flying leap. Uh, it just it just shows that all it is, it just shows the cat hitting the doorbell. So maybe there's a little <laughs> table plant there or next to the yeah. <laughs> doorbell. <laughs> I don't know. It's pretty awesome, though. All you right. know what really suck worse than that is when the neighbor cat figures it out. It's not even your cat. <laughs> Like you have like 47 strays out yeah. front. Like, Not bringing your doorbell. Hello. <laughs> uh, and finally, we're going to end in San Francisco. You know, San Francisco is such a colorful place. But there, uh, Tuesday morning, there was calls to uh, firefighters at 100 Van Ness in the Civic Center neighborhood at 530 in the morning due to reports of a fire alarm. And first responders rushed out to the scene and there was a pipe that was gushing water. 46-year-old Michael Neen um, was a resident of the high-rise building, and residents say he opened a fire hose valve on the 11th floor, <clears throat> causing high-pressure floods to surge through the building. He was arrested 
for felony vandalism and resisting arrest. Now, how did they find said guy? He was swimming in the hallway. He was uh, holding the fire hose open, completely naked. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I mean, if, why wouldn't you? Why would yeah, he be? skinny dipping. He was skinny dipping <laughs> in the hallway. Apparently now nobody can use the stupid elevators because everything's broken. And so 29 flights of stairs, people are having to walk up and down to get in and out of their house until they fix the elevators. How? pissed would you be at this guy oh my god yeah hey there's some naked guy use a fire hose can i guess alcohol involved um yeah it you know it doesn't go to say but i feel like that's one of those things that is not necessary (laughs) resident emily ingler told water was gushing out there was like a six foot tall massive spray of water coming 10 feet down in the out of the water the main and our bedrooms are squishy and there's water everywhere. Oh, and you never fix that. No, that's oh. it's done. I mean, it, water is like almost worse than fire. Um, <laughs> and then I will tell you too, I saw on the Oklahoma news last night, just randomly, it made me think of this. You know, there's like big grain silos where they're like buildings, like they're like probably yep. a, a grain silos, like 150 foot tall and this guy climbed up into the grain silo and um was fairly impaired i guess and uh was threatening a bit like to jump and people started trying to climb up to rescue him and he was like throwing things down the stairwell trying to hit people and tell him to stop coming up to get him he was arrested and caught and booked in jail that's oklahoma baby (laughs) Although I f- kind of feel that would happen anywhere. Uh, I know, but you expect naked guy. I don't know if he was naked or not, but you expect impaired yeah. guys on grain silos to be in Oklahoma. It just yeah, sounds right. True. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds right. Or Kansas, one of the two. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, everybody, for sending in. Where do they send their stories? Jamie at horseradionetwork.com. Weird news in the subject line. And uh, again, thanks to Lorene and Michelle and Laura. We wouldn't have had weird news without you. And tomorrow, uh, we have Mary Kitzmiller and Jennifer will be here doing a training episode. And then on Friday, we'll be doing some really bad ads. Jennifer said she's short this week, so she definitely needs really bad ads. Send them in to Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com as soon as possible. Auditors, hold on. We're going to hear the saga of the horse that wouldn't load. Ken, country songs, perfect. We need to get him on that. Roger, or who should we have do that? Jared. Jared, yeah, you're right. Jared would be perfect for that one. Spay, neuter, geld, everybody. We get rights. We get commissions. Oh, mailbox money on that song. <laughs>